Hi all, I'm Danny. This is the Ice Planet Podcast. This is like take 10 for me on recording this intro because I don't know, I just don't know how to bring everything to a close. This will be the final episode for this quote unquote batch slash season of episodes of the podcast. Um, when I originally sort of mapped out how I was going to do this, it was from Ice Planet Barbarians to Barbarian Seduction. So that was those that was those were the books that were out when I had mapped this, and I had originally planned to be done in June, but you know we all know 2020 happened. So um, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed every conversation I've had with everyone about these books. I've loved getting to talk with people on Twitter, getting the emails, getting you know having those conversations with every co-host. But I think now is a good time to sort of stop focus, give myself permission to focus on maybe some other things I've got going on. And then when I'm like re-energized coming back and both finishing up Ice Planet Barbarians, because I believe there's going to be at least two more books coming out and possibly exploring the Ice Home series. So I think that's the plan going forward. Well, that, that is the plan going forward. Um, but before, you know, we do all that and say bye, I just want to thank you for listening I want to thank every co-host who's been on, everyone who's tweeted or emailed. This was such, this was such a whim. I can't even begin to tell you. I've put together uh, our other podcast. I've helped put together another podcast, Black Chiclet, if you didn't know, the, this podcast, Older Sister. So I've had experience doing all that. So starting another one just for the funsies was not that big of a, not that big of a hump to get over. Like some people write fan fiction. I create podcasts, I guess. But I never thought it would like, get as I never imagined as many other people would have as fun as much fun with it as I have so I'm really grateful for that so yeah this is just a fun way to spend 2020 I'm it all kind of worked out like this was the year I needed this um even though the show will not be posting new episodes for a bit you can still tweet me at ice planet pod you can still email at contact at iceplanetpod.com um you can also follow my personal twitter if anyone's interested at danny that's d-a-n-i underscore Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y. I also invite you to follow the, I call it the big podcast, the main podcast, the older sister podcast that I work on, Black Chick Lit. I host that with my friend Molly and we talk about books by and for black women. Um, We did an episode together, if you have not heard it, Barbarian's Mate. It was, we may have been a little tipsy. We may have been a little off our rockers. It was a great time. That's what Black Chick Lit is like. So if you enjoyed that, you'd probably enjoy our other podcast. So let's get to it. Let's wrap this up. This episode was really special for me. We got historical romance novelist Sarah McLean, who personally introduced this series to at least a third of the co-hosts who have been on <laughs> on this podcast. The number of people who've come on and said, well, I went to KissCon and I went to this Bananas Books panel and Sarah McLean kept going on about these Blue Alien series. So I had to check it out. So it was kind of fun to get the originator here and on the air and hear what she had to say about the series. We discuss Marlene's book, Barbarian Seduction. We also just sort of talk about the series and the universe as a whole, which is always a lot of fun. Um, So please enjoy. Please listen in. I won't be at the end this time. I'm not coming back at the end of the episode because there's really no reason for me to. (laughs) But um, thank you again for following along. Again, Email, tweet me if you have any any hot takes you want expressed on like a future episode or retweeted or whatever. I am happy to be of service. So yeah, 
I hope you all had as happy a 2020 as possible. I know it was not what any of us expected, nor what any of us wanted. It was just what we got, and we had to make do. I hope that you have a much better 2021 in whatever shape or form that is for you. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay socially distanced, keep wearing your mask, and I will talk to you soon. Bye! Thank you for having me. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. You are the biggest git, like, at the oh, start of this. Nonsense. <laughs> Danny, you could have asked me to be on every episode of this thing, and I would have been on every episode of this thing. Because <laughs> I was like, because at the beginning, you know, I don't know if you heard, there are a lot of episodes where people are like, Sarah McLean is the reason I, I got like, into the Blue at Barbarians. Know, and if that is my legacy, Danny. That's a pretty good legacy. I accept it. I accept the mantle of this legacy. <laughs> it's so funny because I was in the room. The responsibility <laughs> that comes with it. <laughs> it's funny because you kill. You must have killed because it was at a KissCon panel. That's what everyone's talking about. A KissCon panel called Bananas Books. And I remember I was in the room next to it. We could hear you all. You know when you're in one panel that's relatively quiet and the next panel is just clearly having like the time oh, of it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was a good panel. It just wasn't as, like... I'm sure it was. Everybody at KissCon is fabulous. Yes. <laughs> but but we... Bananas Books does kind of kill. Like, yes. it's... We're all like, ooh, something, something's happening over there. So... Panel, um, I invented that panel with Sophie Jordan, who we've talked about before, because Sophie is the reason why I read Ice Planet Barbarians. Oh, yes. I'm going to ask that. She's, like, the, you know, the grand, the grandmother of this. <laughs> <laughs> and... She and I, you know, we've been great friends for a long, long time and since I began writing. And um, the reason why we became such good friends is because we both came through romance, um, through the kind of wild west of romance, <laughs> um, just being bananas. Like the books just being as as bonkers as possible, right? Like if there was a wild premise, we wanted that that book. Right. And um, so we, you know, we came up as as young people reading those kind of wild premised books. And then, you know, where the the hero has like his face, you know, he's a, <laughs> you know, the hero is a, uh, you know, a black ops guy who like gets caught somewhere and then has his face transplanted and then returns <laughs> home to his like ex-wife or like his wife who thinks that he died and so, like, like he has to fall in love with her again as this other new person or like whatever. So, like face off if it was a romance novel. Sure. Basically. sure. And it all and it makes absolutely no sense and also all the sense. And so yeah. you just go with it. I love it. Um, and so Sophie and I love those books. And so we invented or we sort of designed a panel for KissCon because we wanted oh, KissCon yeah. to feel you know, Connie, we wanted it yeah. to be about, you know, what Jen and I are always talking about when you came on the podcast, you, your episode is either out or either just out or very close to coming out. Um, and so, and when you came on the podcast, we talked about this, like, we really care about joy, right? We care about yes. like the book 
bringing people that kind of elated joy, especially now in the world. Um, So Sophie and I invented Bananas Books because we thought, like, this will be a great opportunity for us to do what I like to do best, which is tell people what romance novels to read. And, (laughs) And what we like to do best when we're together, which is talk about, like, the most Bananas Books we can come up with. And it was a packed room, standing room only. And it was really great because on top of us talking just about off the cuff, like all the books that we think are wild and amazing. We then turned the microphones over to the audience to like talk about the wildest books they'd ever read too. And it became this like massive wreck fest, which (laughs) I love those. Yes. Those are the best panels. Yeah. And I remember at one point, like I had a piece of paper in my hand that had all the books I wanted to talk about on it. And then I just like flipped it over and like took someone's pen because <laughs> I was like, I need to be writing books down too. Oh, I love that because this series, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I just want to say, this series sort of was my first foray into like the truly like crazy series. Yeah. Because there was, I feel like there's, at least for me, there was like a hump I had to get over. I had to like, listen, you're reading these books about blue aliens with Spurdick's <laughs> and you're enjoying them. That's so, yes, you do. Because <laughs> it started kind of ironically reading. Then I was like, oh, I'm earnestly reading these now. So, yeah. 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 And I mean, that's the thing is, and I think most romance readers who really commit to the genre eventually find themselves down like one of these rabbit holes. Oh, it's like, hard to avoid. <laughs> at some point, someone's going to say, you know, oh, well, he gnawed his leg off in the first book. And you're going to say, I'm definitely going to read that whole series, which is how Faded Mates came to pass. So, um, <laughs> you know, as far and and, you know, Jen, you know me, you know, like for us, those books are the ones that really, especially now, it feels like yes. in 2020, it's hard to read a book that is ordinary. Yeah, and I, I would don't, be as far away from reality as possible. <laughs> Exactly. Like these are lovely people who are falling in love in a really lovely way. But like, I don't, I, I can't focus. I need verdicts and. <laughs> and yeah. And like snowstorms and, and moments. Worms, worms who pick your forever mate. Yeah. So, yes. This whole society is built on worms. It's great. <laughs> that are so. harvested out of like a murdered, like. But what's interesting is that they don't eat. They They let all that meat go to waste. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, good point. That had never occurred to me. See, you're really an expert. You've really done the deep dive. I mean, of course. Uh, Yeah. No, it's the what's interesting to me is how the books have changed because I've never read this one. Okay. So I stopped at some point. Like I. I I think I I think I was reading them early enough that I did the thing that everybody I'm sure does, which is they read the first one and then they're like, okay, well now I'm in, and then they read the first ten, yes, and then, them all, and then I think there weren't any more, and so yeah. I was just like, well, I can't wait the two months or however long it took her, <laughs> and so I put them down and I never came back, and now there are you know five thousand of them. Oh gosh, and there's a whole new series, which is also have you dropped? Have you no into those? Is the new series set on the same planet? Yes, it's it's like she took this. This was like a practice. It's like the Ice Planet Barbarians was a practice run, and then Ice Home. She's like, 
Okay, we are going to 11. There are... <laughs> there's so stuff, they're on a beach. They're on a beach, like, away from the main tribe. Because for some reason, now that the everyone's mated... In the... I don't know if it's the exact same beach. Like, I don't know if it's Harlow's beach. Yeah, but yeah. it's like a beach. It's slightly warmer. And now that everyone's made it in the main tribe, suddenly we're really we're really reluctant to let new people in the tribe. That's fine, whatever. And so there um there's a dragon. There are two clone twins. The Sakui on this tribe are of one of three types. They either have four arms. They either are like shadow cat, which means I think they're just extra hairy and they're very quiet. Like they can stalk very well. Or they're the tall horns, which means they just have particularly large horns Mm -hmm. so she was really being creative with the four-armed people um (laughs) and the women like penises are all the same still a penis and a spur yes that's all nothing new there nothing new (laughs) what to be expected yes but they also are all like those three tribes like fight into each other so there's like they all live together but they also fight well, because they were, so ooh, I'm really showing myself here. There was a giant mountain that exploded and it pushed them from their mountain. And, and like, they're like the refugees kind of thing. Like, they're the survivors. Sure. And so there were, they're not enemies, but they were like, there was tension. Inter- there were tribal tension. And now they have to come together and it's be like lost. Trying. Yes. Lost. It's like the front of the plane and the back of the plane. And then finally they meet. Ah, um, okay. There's, you know, drama drama ensues, but it's like yeah. season three when they meet because clearly the writers were like, okay, we gotta, we gotta add something to this. We gotta do something else. So this yeah. is, okay, so this is good. So suddenly there are all these new blue aliens. And around. non-blue aliens. And, and dragons, sure. Yes. And sure. the women are different. Like, they're a little older and they're much more diverse. So she, Ruby was like, you know what? We are, we're Wait, doing is there this. A new- plane there's a new crash well they find like a car i can't remember i think it's a cargo ship like oh yes so in one of the books i'm really spoiling things for you here i am so sorry you know what it's really fine (laughs) (laughs) in one of the later ice planet barbarians books i think it's barbarians rescue the aliens come back to try and get the women yes no i read that one i read that one and when they beat them off they're like oh these aliens have a full cargo hold of more women oh, and a oh, few men. No, I didn't remember that part, but that makes sense. And so yes. now there are older women and women who are diverse. Yes. That is great. Yes. Good like job. One of them's almost 30. And I was like, thank you, Ruby, for the, why was everybody 20? I mean, that wasn't one thing. I mean, the, the fertility thing, it's really interesting because these books kind of rose up right at the same time as like breeder romances became real popular mm-hmm. on like KU and in indie. And you know, those, those breeder romances are really interesting because, um, you know, I, I don't quite understand. I mean, I understand. I, here's the thing. I don't a hundred percent intellectually understand the appeal of the breeder romance, but I totally get that it's hot. Right. So like I, what is like the hero who is like it's a contemporary right where the hero like sees a woman often a very young woman like a fertile like nubile like you know 19 year old or 20 year old and is like i want to put a baby in her okay and so um that is weird and also but also like there's there's something to be said for like i don't know there i like so it often in those romances there's like the moment where it's they're pure id right like there's that moment where he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it to you now 
And she's like, okay, condom. And she's like, no, because you're mine forever. And all I want to do is put a baby in you, which is, you know, Uh, but also, okay. You know, it's like the kombucha, like. And here's the thing, like intellectually, I'm not for it, but like in the moment, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this, which is, yeah. you know, uh, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, yes. but, the, but that's not why we're here. Um, so I won't. <laughs> But at the same time as those breeder romances, like Ice Planet Barbarians was happening. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the same, like, kind of like pure, it's like primal, like id stuff where yes. heroines are also young, right? Yes. Because they're like valuable for being fertile. Yeah. They were all 22. In Their those first IUDs books. are falling out all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Tink. And it- real weird but also you're like okay like I guess it strips away all the trappings of reality and yes. really delivers you this like fantasy like sex story that you can sort of give yourself over to yes I I'm buzzing my thing is buzzing your thing is buzzing we're buzzing together baby Yes. And then when we buzz, we have a baby. Yes. And I mean, like in this, it was so interesting coming back to Ice Planet Barbarians because I had had some time away, some distance <laughs> from it. And so when I came back and I realized like in the early books, they always, they're always going out to hunt one of those big beastie things. Yes. That they can it's like see, there's like her life is on the line, you know, in like the early books all yes. the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't find one of those things and like, Put the worm in in her. (laughs) And like she could die and then he would lose his mate. And it's so like, like stressful. But now at some point over the books, everyone just got one of these worm things. Yes. Every time someone new joins, they're like, well, time to go kill another one. Because I mean, they do that when the babies are born too. And I think, I think the pressure at the beginning was, oh, these women are like half dead because they've been so long without the queen that they are being poisoned by the atmosphere. Josie's leg is broken. Tiffany is unconscious. Things are yeah. dire. Yeah. It's terrible. It's really bad. <laughs> it's bleak out here on the ice planet. No, it's just so funny because I also think like ice planet barbarians set a, a kind of stage for lots of other writers who were writing, like who now are writing space books to sort of explore all these different ideas. Like I think about um, Grace Goodwin and her interstellar. like 12,000 books too. Right. And, um, yes. but that sort of interstellar bride series where like, again, it's sort of intellectually, I'm not really a fan, but like emotionally I'm totally down. I get it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, I mean, like, let's let's be clear. I've read, like, almost every Grace Goodwin book, so it's fine. <laughs> when I say intellectually, I'm not really for it. I mean, like, you know, like, the the part of me that, you know, uh, you Examines know. Examines things for, like, consent and sure. health and, yeah. Sure. Yeah, the part of me that, you know, went to Smith. Just, <laughs> like, <laughs> And then, um, but then, and then, like, even more, you see, I, I mean, I'm sure you've read the Robin Lovett books, or maybe you haven't, but. I have them on my, I have them on my Kindle, yeah. and I'm, like, <laughs> meaning to dig fine, into them. And then, yeah. 
her Planet of Desire books, which is basically like the atmosphere is an aphrodisiac and like everybody who lands on this planet just like has to do it all the time or else they'll die. And you sort of have this moment of like, this is wacky. (laughs) I'm for it. I mean, I pre-order every one of those Planet of Desire books. And I feel like Ruby Dixon really started that, like really put a stake in the ground for like space can remove you know all of our inhibitions from us and like really allow readers and writers to just sort of throw caution to the wind like yeah and that's awesome I think about um Emmy Chandler's series that's all about space prison like prison planets and like you know I really feel like afraid of those a lot of these people a lot of these like newer series. I really love those Emmy Chandler books, by the way. Okay. They're um yeah, they're not like they are like Okay. Cause, like yeah, because I hear prison in a title, I'm like, oh, things can get I mean, there's really intense. An issue in the sense that like they're on a prison planet. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, in in a in almost all of them, like the the relationship is built on it sort of starts by virtue of like protection and then ends with you know so obviously like there is an issue of like dubious consent yeah um though no like there's always pleasure it's just like you know the consent is questionable the power Um, dynamics it's clear i don't i mean i assume i it's clear that emmy chandler comes from like an aesthetic of like sci-fi like and so it's a kind of it's a it's they're less they are romance, but they are they are also sci-fi in like a real solid world building way. Yes. Um I love you that. have but I did read uh, that's another one where I read like all five. Just one right after another. I'm getting all the wrecks in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's one that's um I mean they're all different. They're all like there's one that's like a Hunger Games style, like gladiator world, and there's one where um they are it's like the most dangerous game where they're being hunted by other people. Like rich, rich people come to the planet to hunt prisoners in like a whatever. And two of them are like there's a woman and a man like in the world. Um, and they have to, but you sort of have to talk about talk about books where, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time when we talk about what makes a romance really great is this idea of like, how are these two ever gonna survive together? Which is why like putting them on an ice planet right like putting human women on an ice planet is a tricky thing yeah and like adds a level of like very bare bones like holy cow how is this gonna work emmy chandler does it with like these two people are in like a thunderdome (laughs) with murderers how are they ever gonna survive you know and like you just can't like mentally you're like i don't I don't see how this ends happily, but the promise of the premise is this it's going romance. To, yeah. Oh, so I'm going to check those out too. That's awesome. You better. You should be in the mood. They're very different. It's a totally different kind of thing. Than okay. Barbarians, which is more like wacky. You know, tail grab me at the leg, and and uh, she does, that, yeah. that's the exciting piece of this. <laughs> Our girl accidentally gives this guy an accidental tail, and it ruins. It doesn't ruin his whole day. It knocks him off his feet. So. Uh, 
no, I had forgotten that the tail was like the sexy part. I the like it. The stone, yes. So this is just so we're all, this is Barbarian Seduction we read and we're talking about today with our very French heroine, Marlene. Marlene, yes. And our very shy hero, make sure I got it right. There's a lot of Z names and the last one was, so this is Zenic. Last one was Zelaya. So we're getting all the Z names. So, so this is like the first of, and this is not the first, this is part of, I guess, what I call Rubin's like flashback arc. Cause she has a whole bunch where she goes back and she tells the stories of all those girls who resonated like right off at the beginning, but we didn't get their story. So it was like, right. Nora, because Megan. it's like, it just happens. It's like, yes. and then like everyone just pieces out. Yes. <laughs> and all the other women are like, what the fuck? Which is really smart, like smart, smart writing in the very beginning. Like, cause she obviously like, she would have been stuck having to write like 15 different characters all at one time. Right. Yes. And establish personalities. And that can be really tricky in a series. So instead she just like, <laughs> scatters them to the wind (laughs) one's getting kidnapped by her angry 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 mate yes so this is one of those and it's kind of funny because i read her author's note and she says that she had originally planned for like all these women who didn't get backstories to die off in a great plague but then she felt bad and she didn't want them to lose their happy ending so she went back and wrote them and wrote all their stories so we're like thanks I'm for that. I mean, you're given an opportunity between a great plague and like everyone gets to have sex and like live happily ever after for the rest of their time. Then I choose that. I choose the latter. This tribe cannot afford another plague. Like they've already gone through the great (laughs) sickness and lost like half their people. Tragic. They can't anymore. So, so yeah. So what did we think of our hero and heroine? I love how she's sitting there like the book's, well, first of all, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's go back. This is a flashback, and it starts in the present day. And she, our Merlene, is walking around, and she's just getting bad omen after bad omen she's after bad. A little omen. weird, Merlene. She like spends a lot of time paying attention to like omens, it's way not- more than I do. Like yeah. as a general rule, <laughs> yes. she's very superstitious because I think like her kid accidentally s- steps in some poop with the wrong foot. Yeah. Is it the wrong? And I was like, is this a thing? Is this a thing people believe? I I mean, maybe. You're on a planet where, like, you literally collect poop for five, for few, like, you're sipping in it. Yeah. Like, food, like, it seems like poop is always good luck on this planet because it's heat. Yeah. Right? It's fuel. Um, eh. Yeah, she's a lot. She, like, the first, the first, the meeting, the first meeting with her where she's just like, you know, I see hearts everywhere. They're my yes. mom talking to me. And now that I do sort of feel like, okay, I know was, some people feel that way, like about, yeah. you know, I thought that was, well. I thought that was sweet. It's very sweet. Um, but then, yeah, once it's like, oh, you stepped in it with your left foot and not your right foot, that's bad luck. Or like, you know, then it starts to feel a little much. Yeah. Well, and my dad was a very superstitious person. And like, we weren't allowed to have umbrellas in the house, be careful sure. around ladders, all that. And he, and, he was like, you can't sweep your foot, but I had never heard. So I thought I was up on my. You heard you felt like you've been raised right. I had not heard one, <laughs> and I have yet to Google it. I meant to Google it before oh, we yeah. recorded. I wouldn't even know what to Google, like stepping in poop, bad luck. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it kind of is. I'm actually gonna. I'm googling it right now. Looking it up. <laughs> so, like, because that's her. 
that's her thing. And she's also, while you're looking that up, she's also taking care of her in-laws, which is kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. So well, this, she- this goes back to what we've talked about before, you and I, and, and Jen, when you were on the Fate of Mates podcast, like, we talked about how this is really about family. The, mm-hmm. this, the tribal nature of the Sakui is... Um, it really, family. it really builds you, it builds a found family book mm-hmm. really well. And we love a found family. I love it, yes. So is there, did Google? Um, this is real. Oh. Apparently that. accidentally in stepping in dog poo with your left foot means good luck, while in with your right foot it means misfortune. Oh, well, look at that. Ruby Dunn taught us. So, okay. So now there I just go. try to avoid stepping in it all together. But there we go. So yes, yeah. so she's seeing and that is from the. Uh, it is from the digital folklore archives of the University of Southern California. So like, oh, it must be true. Yeah, they're <laughs> not just making things up and putting it on the internet. Okay, so <laughs> so she's seeing all these omens, and it cracks me up. And she goes to visit her in-laws, and she tries to explain it to her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law is pretty understanding, and she's like. Yeah, they're all they're all like down. Yeah, like superstitions. This is who you are. We don't. I have to tell you that my first job out of college, I worked for an astrologer. So oh, I um so and at the time, I was not really like a, a believer in astrology, and now I still think that it's like a pretty great party trick. But um, but after working with her, I like definitely am. I like am. I'm a partial believer. <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> My husband, on the other hand, is in no way a believer (laughs) and basically mocks me anytime. I'm like, well, that's Gemini rising in our daughter or whatever. Right. And he's like, you're a nut job. You need to stop. And so I did. That was the one part that I found like kind of unbelievable is that her parents were just like, yeah, that's fine. I believe in all that with you. I think like these aliens just love these humans so much. They let them get away with so much. They're like, yes. Yes, I'm so besotted by you. I don't understand. Also, I don't understand half the shit you're saying. So, yes, I love it. Yes. So, So I'm vibrating for you. (laughs) So, obviously, everything you say is correct. Exactly. And the most genius thing. Talk about the fantasy of romance, right? Like, you just have a hero who, like, yes, everything you say is accurate. (laughs) It's so genius. It's the smartest thing anyone ever has said. So... (laughs) So, like, she goes to visit her, she, and we get kicked, I guess, on this. I don't really know how this flashback starts, except that Marlene goes to, like, lay down and take a nap. So maybe it's a dream sequence. I'm not entirely not sure. <laughs> but it kicks off the bulk of the book, which takes place back when she first lands on the planet. Right. Yes. And she was and in a stasis. She so was. She, she was lucky. She didn't have to sit out in that ship freezing her ass off nope. waiting for the aliens to show up. No. So she, like, turns. So she and a bunch of these women, like like they're a large group of these blue men turn up and like they just all vibrate and it's just like who's vibrating with who who's like what's happening and then they all just like they run to the nearest cave like they scoop them up it's just instant it's like they it's time which is a you know a lot feels like you know buy a girl a drink or something yeah i mean i said this in ariana's episode her her reaction feels the most relatable to me it's like we need to i've got to deal with the fact that i am now on an ice planet before i can deal with the fact that i am now married on an ice planet (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot happening but what i really liked about this was merlin was like yeah okay i'm down like 
she and she's sort of set up from the beginning as like the one who isn't sad. Like yeah. and we never get really like a hugely great explanation for that. Like she it's says, like she's sad on on earth. Well, and also she sees hearts. So I think she's somewhere and she sees a heart. It's either in the cloud, it's the scorch mark. She wakes up yeah, yeah. and she sees a heart-shaped the- scorch mark and she's like Oh, mom is is here. She's telling me everything's okay. And that's sort of what calms her down. And I'm like, I still need a little more. <laughs> I mean, she's still sort of, but she's like, also, I just, she's like a genuinely, I think, like, Go with happy, the flow. Like, very, like, chill, happy person. And so, yeah. you know, and then she, so this guy, she's buzzing. They're buzzing with each other. And then she, he takes her off and all the caves are taken. She's just like, well, we could just... Go into one of these snow. Caves. Yeah. Like, well, there's that, but also at one point she's like, "Well, why don't we just go into one of these caves?" And he's like, "No, we are not doing this with like my brother watching, brother cousin." Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so she's like, "All right, well, snow is fine." And and you're just, you know, what the best thing about these books is, you just sort of like throw all reason to the to the wind. Yeah. Like, no, fine. Snow is not fine. <laughs> In real life. This is not, no. (laughs) I like before that though, like usually in all these other books so far, it's been like the Sakui male who's sort of been like, oh, that's the human I like. That's the, she zeroes in on him almost immediately. And she has a lot of fun teasing him, winking and making him like blush, which has to be a sight. And like, just being like, Oh, mon chérie. She's very French if we haven't talked about oh, that yet. God. She's, she's so-, so French. I mean, she's so French. She's, like, too French, you know? Like, I don't think she's really, like, it's a lot. It's a lot of French. Like, get it, Ruby. <laughs> I listened to the audio. The narrator reads all of her chapters with a very heavy French accent. Not just the dialogue. <laughs> Even just the regular prose with a very French accent. So... Um, no, but I really like that's the one thing that I really did like about her. Like she's super sex positive. She knows what she wants. She's super into him. When it when they are vibrating for each other, she's like, This works out great. Let's fuck in the snow. Yes. And like he's like, But it's snow, like, shouldn't we find a cave? And she's like, No, we're good. Yes. And then like she basically shows him exactly what she wants. And yes. like she's really great like she's a great heroine who like yes. I wish was slightly less like overtly like kind of caricature French but like because yes. I also think like I don't know there was a part of me that was like is she French because she's like into sex because that feels weird like yeah like, I had that thought too like, yeah it's like, it's Pew kind of thing it's a little distracting how French she is yeah so you know I um it's not I, subtle but yeah, it's fine. And but I really like it. And then it it it's a good through line because so she's very like into him like and then I mean I do love I had forgotten that like they're resonating so hard for each other and then they do it and at the end she's like so I'm pregnant now and he's like yeah. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she's like you're sure? He's like yes. Uh, yep, absolutely. And so um so like 
I really, I had forgotten a lot of that. And then I, but what I really, really liked is that when we come back to present day, right? So the, so the plot of this book is wrap, the wraparound of this book is that she feels these, om- she has like all these bad omens on a day and then he's taking their child um, who's now like, I don't know. How about eight? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like young, but able to hunt. Like mm-hmm. he's, he takes their daughter with him to hunt. And, um, so he's taking her out on a hunt and Marlene is like, I've had all these bad omens, like something bad is going to happen. Um, I need you to be careful. And he's like, of course, like I would never not be careful. Like I'm a competent hero. And then they don't come back. Like she flashes back to their, their meeting and they're falling in love and you know, they're whatever. And then it comes back to present day and it's clear that something has gone wrong and all that's gone wrong. I mean, like, it's yeah. so soft. It's like the yeah. softest alien romance there is because what's gone wrong is there's a snowstorm and they're On an ice planet. Tra- yeah. <laughs> and they're like trapped in a cave. Yes. With some Metlex. Because that's it stopped snowing and they can't get out because the Metlex won't leave. And I was like, oh, it's been a while since we've seen. Yeah, since the Metlex. The Metlex. <laughs> I really like the, like, the Metlek book that I, I mean, there's the Metlek book where, like, she becomes, like, she carries the Metlek baby around. Yes. What is that? I think that's Asha's book. Yeah. Because she gets, because Asha's book is about the loss of a child, and then she finds a little Metlek baby, and she has a hard time returning him to his parents. Yeah. Yeah. Also humanizes the Metlek, like, Mm -hmm. makes them. Like before, then we are told that they're like monsters and like they have no feelings, and now here they are, and they love Mm -hmm. their baby. You know, important lessons all around. Love your babies. Um, And then, (laughs) so yeah, so they're stuck in this cave. They're in Metlex, whatever. And she says, like, she just can't wait anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And she says, I I marked it because I was like, oh, I like it. Um, She goes to her mother-in-law, who Mm -hmm. she you know, loves like a mother and And she says, I keep waiting for signs of luck, but I'm tired of waiting. I'm making my own luck today. And like, it feels like that's her story, Mm -hmm. right? The heroine who knows what she wants. She knows what is good for her. She knows what feels good. She knows she, you know, is sex positive. She's, you know, she's all the things that we kind of want in a heroine now. Um, and her arc is really coming to a place where she chooses, she's proactive about choosing those things rather than letting them kind of like wash over her. Yes. Which I kind of found a little confusing because Marlene is not at any point in this book presented as someone who is passively letting things happen, at least in terms of the resonance. Like she picks Zenick out of like a whole crowd and she's very yeah. like, yep, that one's mine. And she's very sort of proactive. And when she's bathing and she's like actively like, wa- like she does not sit there and wait for things to no. happen. No. But I, I do but like it. Time, she like, does. This omen stuff really it's is really- like part of why it doesn't sit well with me at the beginning of the book is because it feels real passive. It's like, yeah. I'm happy. It's, you know, to what you just said, like, she's happy because she sees hearts everywhere and yeah. believes that like they represent her mother and okay. therefore. Because of the hearts, she is happy. But ultimately, she needs to acknowledge that it's kind of a juvenile way of, like, existing. Like, a grown person makes their own happiness. Like, a grown person makes their own omens. Yeah. It does work. I do think it works. She does spend, like, a lot of that day in a mood because she feels like 
she feels like something as bad has already happened when really she's just like seeing signs and putting a little bit too much into it. And she's sitting here stressed about her husband and her baby when what she could do and what she does is bundle up, grab some family members and they go out and help them. Get yeah. Them, find them basically rescue it. them. Yeah. yeah. Take, take charge of it. So I do appreciate it. I just thought, well, I didn't know that was a lesson she needed to learn, but I mean, I guess in a way she does. Um, I did want to, I want to switch and go to the sexy stuff because mm. I was really looking forward to talking about it with you. Yeah, and we start. haven't touched on the hero much at all. I really liked how we are given this hero who's like, he like basically blushes every time she so much as looks at him. Like she winks at him and he like, and I just imagining a Sakui blushing cracks me up. Like turning purple, turning purple. But when <laughs> they do like come together and like have sex, he is a little slow on some of her flirtatious uptakes. Like she's like, come here and keep me warm. And he's like, oh, I got to go start a fire. And he starts looking for yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuel and wood. But once they get going, he like, it's like, um, so y'all can't see, but Sarah's wearing a shirt that says Dorothy in the streets. And I'm assuming the other part is Blanche in the street, in the sheets. Yeah, Blanche in the yeah, sheets. Yeah. And I feel like Zinnick is really like, you know, shy in the streets and then like a barbarian in the sheets because yeah. he learns very quickly. Sure and is. he is doing all this dirty talk that I'm sure Zinnick in the streets would be Turning right tomato wed. <laughs> to at one point at the end of the book, they are straight up dirty talking in French in front of everybody. Yeah. So it was kind of like it's nice hot. to see the two sides. <laughs> yeah, it's also really interesting because I feel like dirty talk for Ice Planet Barbarians is um just not necessarily off. the easiest thing in the world to pull off as a writer. Like, you know, the characters themselves, they don't really lend themselves to they're very like all of the Ice Planet Barbarians are very f- pointed, right? Like, They're very blunt about, like, I'm going to put my mouth on your cunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like... No nuance, really. Yes. In Ice Planet Barbarian language. But, like, it's also weird, and maybe it's because it's French, right? Like, she, again, like, maybe there's something about French that's happening here because... He seems to be the only one, he's certainly the only one that I can think of who is kind of like does learn nuance over the course of the book. book. Um, but no, the dirty talk was a surprise, a welcome surprise for me. Yeah. Cause he was anybody like, anybody who listens to my podcast know that, like, knows that I'm all for dirty talk. I think it's great. Yes. More of it in the world, please. Cause he's like really like, it was just very forward of him. He goes from not even thinking he will ever resonate. And there are multiple, it's really funny. There are multiple times in the book where everyone's like, you two resonated and not Saluk. But he goes from thinking he'll never be a res, like a resonance mate or have a mate to like being really like comp- moving into himself in terms of his relationship with Marlene and seeing himself as a, you know, as her mate and being a good mate. So I was mm-hmm. like, proud of you, proud of you. You went on a nice little emotional journey. I do like how, he doesn't get bothered by the fact that everyone is saying you resonated, but she gets offended on his behalf. And I thought that was sweet. Mm, Cause yeah. everyone's like, so Luke didn't resonate first, the big brawny <laughs> forward. <laughs> and I love how there's like the moment in the early, the early, one of the early moments she says, um, you know, I got the strongest, smartest, like most yeah, handsome so member of the tribe. And he's like, that is all totally wrong. <laughs> and she's like, Nope, it's not like, they're really, it's really very sweet. This is yes. a very soft book. Like, yes. 
these two fall in love and it's all very easy until there's a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, that's a big conflict is it snows on the ice. <laughs> but it's also like like three quarters of the book is just them falling, like just being in love. Yeah, and having like sexy times. Exactly. My favorite is when Marlene is staring at Zinnick's ass so hard that she like tumbles down a hill. Yeah, and then he's like, you can't fall. <laughs> Don't do that. It's not safe. And she's like, dead because I was staring at his ass. And that is a repeated, that has happened a number of times on this series where someone is staring at someone's ass. I've never seen an ass that has made me so distracted that I might fall down a hill, but I'm open to the idea. Well, I think it was, was it Kate's book? Oh, you may not have read this one. She's staring at his ass so hard that when he stops in front of a cliff, she doesn't notice and she runs into the back of him and then he falls forward into like <laughs> a crevice. It's oh. like nearly dies. And I was like, wow, the ass staring is getting fatal on this planet. Really? Like, but yeah. It just tells like, you how well defined they are. I, I, yeah. I just, I've, I, I, like I said, I've never seen an ass that is that distracting. I mean, watch ballet. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to it. <laughs> watch ballet. Please tweet me pictures of asses that are that distracting. <laughs> Um, you know, I guess there's there's Henry Cavill. He's got a got some thigh action that might distract me enough to fall down a hill, but probably not. Yeah. Well, and again, watch. It's go slippery. look up. I mean, it's pretty yeah. slippery there. It's an yeah. ice planet. Planet. Yes. I was gonna say, go look up some ballet clips, All right. especially with male dancers because they have very well defined glutes <laughs> and they're wearing tights. No, this whole book is really soft. Like you picked the softest book for me, and it oh, is yeah. really. It is really nice. And um and I I will say I missed a little bit. You know, you and I talked about this um that you know, some of the books feel really actiony yes. and like there's a lot of like drama, plot yeah. drama. And this does not have that at all. Right. And right. so like I did miss a little of that. Like I would have liked there to be like a slightly more, I don't know. I would have liked somebody to have to fight a Metlek or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I think she's good at balancing that because there are points where, like, I think Summer's book we ended off of, that one was super action heavy because yeah. that one is when the other plane lands and we get the cargo ship full of women. And then the book right before this was also equally kind of like, well, no, it wasn't. It was, it had more conflict, but it was internal conflict. So that's Ariana's book and she's the one with anxiety. And so half the book is her mate, Zolaya. Learning what anxiety is and then learning how he can help her I mean, manage it. Good job, Ruby, handling, you know, tackling critical issues. I loved our- it. Yeah. I, loved- I mean, I look, I love this series because I think that anytime a writer really, like, pull like really leans in and doesn't pull a single punch like ruby knows exactly what she's writing she knows exactly what she wants this world to be mm-hmm. she doesn't she doesn't question it and i think that's awesome like i think that's when you know you're that's when a romance novel is really working is yeah it's when not author a sets the stage and then delivers the story and yeah. she does that every time she even does. when she's delivering the softer books yeah it's very non-apologetic. She's like, I know why you're here. We're going to give you all these feels. 
We're going to give you all these sexy times. Exactly. And we're, we're going to love it. We're going to discuss oh. the spur. The spur is going to be a thing. The tail is going to be a thing. The, you know. She, she was very, like, she was not afraid of the spur. In these early books, some of the women are, like, a little hesitant. They're like, what's going yeah. on down there? I don't know. Marlon's like, sure. Cool. I'm surprised she hasn't dealt with some kind of toy that was similarly. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. Of course. Like, of course. Marley's so it's wilder. because I also sometimes get the spurs mixed up with back in the day, like a long time ago, like in the, I lived in a very different apartment than the one that I live in now. So like, was, this is how, when you live in New York city, you have like, it's everything's to the apartment that you were in <laughs> when you read that thing. So it was like 2004, 2005. And Kensington put out a series by a writer named Elizabeth Amber. And the heroes, it was, they were historicals set in the 1870s in Italy. And the heroes were satyrs. So they were men 90% of the time. And then on the night of a full moon, they grew a second penis (laughs) out of their, like, abdomen they're like lower abdomen and it was like sort of right in the perfect spot for doing the business um in all in all places and it involves similar to what you were talking about before where like everybody there has to be like dp and then like everybody has to come at the same time in order to like hyperdrive this is one of those things where like like there were three sadder brothers and in order to like properly mate with their mate, they had to wait for the night of the full moon. And then they like had sex on like an altar in the woods with fairies. And <laughs> also their sadder brothers had to like also come at the same time. It come was, as in watch or come as in come? Come as in watch. Uh, come as in both. Come <laughs> as in come. And so like it was a whole lot. Like, there's a lot going on there. But what's interesting is that I, like I said, it had been a while since I'd read my, I'd read my last Ice Planet Barbarians, and I had conflated the spur with that second penis in those Satter books, um, which recently I just reread one of those Satter books, and wow, they are (laughs) more than I have, you can, whatever you are imagining, they are more than that. Okay. So, um, and but like what's really fascinating to me is I that the use of the spur, like the spur doesn't really have a purpose except to be a spur. Right? Do you mean in the book or in like the world? Because <laughs> I mean both. Well, so in the book, like, right? Like it's rubbing all in the right places, yes. but like does it have an actual purpose, the spur? Yes. What we is learned, the purpose? We learned that in female Sakwi, there's like a reservoir or something. Where, like, it sort of hits, it matches up against, and it leaves, basically, it's supposed to leave pheromones that say, like, you are mine on each other. So, like, they, it's like a pheromone oh. exchange location, which I'm like, isn't, like, sweating and putting your fluids all over someone also a pheromone locate, like, swapping thing. kind of thing? Isn't yeah. the buzzing in your chest the thing that's, it's, well, it's, I mean, blessed. Yes. So we meet, so like in one of the books, I'm spoiling it for you again, but I actually really liked it. Like modern day Sakui come, like they're like modern, they're the same species, but they're like from, you know, civilization and they crash land there and they meet the natives and one of them um, resonates to one of the Sakui. Yes. And like they're having, I hate, I don't know why I feel bad calling them barbarians, like, but like the Sakui. Yeah, sure, and sure. like 
they come and they have like a female Sakwi medical doctor and like the women sort of like, it's so funny. It's like they're at the fire and they like, okay, we so have been waiting to ask this. Until much later. It's like book maybe nine or it's like book maybe, you know, because you went to 10. It's like Farley's book. So it's like okay. maybe an 11 or 12. So it's like maybe right where you cut off. I don't know whose yeah. book you I don't know where I stopped. Yeah. But it's Farley's book because Ruby does two books where we have two Sakwi Sakwi pairings mm. and they're a lot of fun because like tails get involved and then you hear all about like it's well yeah tails oh oh and it, <laughs> I wonder if Ruby read these books actually because in this sadder book there is like okay okay this part's kind of weird I mean this is the part that's weird I mean not too- any of the other stuff <laughs> this, kind of, this is kind of weird so they have like I said they grow a second penis there's some DP happening it's like a whole thing and then um obviously like it's serious business for the heroines. Like there's a lot. It feels it's, there's a lot. And so, um, but during the process, like they, had, Oh, cause they also have to do it like all night long. They can't stop. Right. So it's exhausting. And so <laughs> on an altar, but on an altar. Um, and so the brothers only stay for the first time though. And okay. then they go away and then, um, so they anyway, the, they want to get a night's sleep, but these satyrs, they have like, it's not a tail, but there's like, like a little like worm that comes out and like heals everything like that everything that's sore so like the, there's no chafing in. all the time like it's sort of it's always doing like cleanup <laughs> that you know what you were right that is kind of weird right and so like literally um so yeah that's a thing so now i'm sort of like maybe maybe ruby has read and like maybe she also read those books back in the day and she was like let's I mean, give this worm a more productive job true <laughs> yes <laughs> let's let's he's being wasted in the cleanup crew Actually, what's interesting is that every once in a while i bring up these books with somebody who's been reading romance for a long time and they're like oh yeah i read those and they are i mean when i think about it they really do feel like they were some of the earliest like paranormal erotica like really early days but the the sex scenes in them are so intense that like I remember reading them and feeling like oh I've never read anything like this before and now of course we have five thousand genre yes. and books so yeah. that's funny yeah I can't, I'm trying to how did tales get you there <laughs> oh because you said that when the the Sakui couples the tales get involved yes a little bit yes I was like oh I was expecting them to also grow a second penis in a tail. So I'm a little relieved. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I see how we got there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yes, they do find a use. They do. We are told the reason for the spark there. We learn a couple things. We learn, like, why they never think to kiss. Because that was a question I always had. It's like, why are they, if they enjoy it so much, why, why has they do it? Why don't why, they kiss? Why, why, they, do why are they surprised by that and apparently it's like they've got a big at least in the current day like the civilized society they have a big hygiene taboo I guess it's like you don't just put your dirty unwashed mouth on somebody's dirty unwashed mouth you get sure. disease so but they don't have those hangups on the I ice mean, planet look, I when you think about kissing in real life yeah, it's a little, you it's can't a little spend too much time really thinking too hard about it like because it's kind of gross yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a little grody don't think about um, it too much 
But so wait, when these new, when these sort of modern day sakui come, do they also mate with humans? Only one. The rest are like, we're we're getting out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he and And it's big. Have an opportunity to leave or no? So that's part of the conflict. They're like, we can you and the humans, we can get you off this ice planet because they think it's like like this planet's a hellhole. Like it's it's snowing all the time. It's cold. Growing, we're leaving. Yeah. So like we can take you off or you can stay. And so everyone chooses to stay, but then the one who the two who resonate, they have to face a choice. It's like, do they go back to modern civilization or do they stay on the ice planet? Because someone's gonna have to leave everything they know. Yeah. Yeah. But it ends happily. So those I think her the alien ones are really fun because the other alien one deals with a really download those today and read them. Yeah. The it's Barbarian's Choice is that one. And then the other one, I believe, is Barbarian's Hope, I say with a question mark. It's um the character's name is Asha. And that that's a second chance romance Mm. because they had previously mated, resonated, and then they lost their baby and it sort of broke them up. But resonance is forever. So I've read that one, I feel like. We yeah, that's yeah. two that's that's two Sakui. That's two Sakui. No, then I haven't read that yeah. one. Characters Asha and Himalo. But the character, but Asha's in the early books. Asha's been in some yes. other books. Like cause you yes. see because she's kind of surly and she's yeah, kind of she, got signs of depression. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, that's why I remember her, because I remember yeah. her losing the baby, and, like, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so we dig into their story, and, like, I'm telling you, when Ruby wants to do these emotional, like, healing, yeah. just these really serious topics, she knocks them out the park. Like, that one I thought was so well done on, like, the topic of loss. I think that one in Tiffany's books, and dealing with, like, the trauma, because Tiffany was a very traumatized character when she landed on the ice planet right she didn't want to resonate at all she's like i do not want to have sex with anyone ever again makes sense yeah Yeah. so i thought that was i I mean i really think that that's part of it too that's part of the joy of these books is um ruby can really tackle issues that other authors have to spend i don't know this is going to sound bad in it and i don't mean it to but like other authors have to spend more time to like really like dig into them but when you strip away the world as we know it right and you really put them in you put these women who have like really suffered or like had experiences that lots and lots of women have had like brushed with trauma the way that a lot of people um in the real world have Mm -hmm. and then you strip away the trappings of the real world and really set them down in something that is very binary, right? Like there's, you know, you are cold or warm, you are hungry or not. Like, you know, these are the things there, there are primal needs and then everything and nothing else is really like relevant or matters. Yeah. Um, then you can really, by doing that, by stripping away the trappings of the story in that, in that way, you end up being able to really tackle these kind of big emotional issues in a powerful way, I think. Yeah. Um, I really, like, I've said a thousand times that I really think the world building here is good, um, you know, in a really interesting way. I think nobody does, uh, I've never seen anybody so deftly handle a miscommunication, um, uh, language interpretation yes. before, or, you know, an inability to understand each other before. Mm-hmm. Um, I love every scene that's in a hero's point of view where he like hears the heroine speaking in English and 
he trans like and it's transcribed in fan- like phonetically on the page. I just think she's so clever. Yes, the whole and, series. And go ahead. No, that's it. Well, I was going to talk what you said. Like when you come to these books, they are very like sexually explicit and they are very bonkers. And I think those two things, at least for me, like I was surprised by how like soft and emotional they were. Like I didn't expect to say a bonkers alien books that's going to tackle, you know, someone's complex traumas or that's going to tackle, you know, loss and do it very well. So it was like, mm-hmm. a, it's like a pleasant surprise. It's really soft is the best word. Yeah. Cause you come in you see these like brawny blue alien dudes on the cover and like leather partially clad women and you expect one thing and then you get something else. And a lot yeah. of times it's very like, it's very satisfying. Yeah. Well, and it also harkens back to the early days of romance when the heroes were so barbaric. I mean, even mm. when they weren't, Work, right? Yeah, like, when even, they weren't supposed to be. Even living in the real world that we all live in, you know, that sort of brutish, I don't like to feel feelings, like I'm just, you know, smashing shit because I, you know, don't know what else to do with my emotions. That kind of, that kind of like brutish experience for the hero is something that we saw over and over and over again in early romance. And what Ruby has somehow figured out how to do is how to harness that archetype and then bring it forward into, uh, into a time when the reason why these men in Ice Planet Barbarians are unable to are still kind of smashing shit and like don't know how to deal with their feelings is because they've actually literally not had the opportunity to do any of this because one they've never resonated and two they live on an actual ice planet so like there isn't room for like fluffiness here like everything is life or death yes and And it's a small tribe so like you're there's not some of the dynamics we have like you can't I don't I was gonna say something like you can't sexually assault someone in the small tribe and survive they would kick you out like right everything is survival right there's utopia you you described it as a utopia to me not yeah. long ago and it really does feel that way like in a weird like utopia with an asterisk <laughs> no it's technology <laughs> like, um you know but I, I just think it's really I'm really Every time I read a nice Planet of Barbarians book, I think to myself, like, why does this work so well for me? You know, it really yeah. is a fascinating, ex- a fascinating activity for me to read these because mm-hmm. um, they really do. They work. They work really well for me. I have and so many other people. They do. There's. It's like they exploded overnight or something. Like yeah. you're seeing them everywhere. Yeah. And I feel really bad because some people I think started with that first book, and I was like, listen, the first book is it's like a little harsher. Book. I do. But I think you're not prepared. Like, because no. I was not prepared for some of this. prepared to go in. You yeah. know, I had Sophie and um, Sulika Snyder also was reading them right around the same time. And we were all like, there's there's a lot packed into the first, like, 20% of that book. Yeah. Uh, and then, but ultimately, it all comes down to Poop Cunnilingus for me, which is, you know, <laughs> that... <laughs> That uh, spaceship so crashes funny. and they're all covered in poo. And then she wanders out into the, into the, and gets like caught in a trap. And then he is just like, I'm going to eat this thing out. Hello. That's how I say hello on the ice. <laughs> and literally you're like, she is filthy. She's in a trap. He doesn't know what she is. <laughs> I think about that. 
you imagine you came upon a strange alien of all things? Not just a stranger, completely different species. And you're like, I'm going to go down on this. I have a question about to you related to this book. I was kind of cracking up how many times Marlene thinks of how proud and how happy and how great her mother is, like actively during like really good sex or what she's about to. I and it cracks me It's weird, right? It's really weird. I'm like, why are you like, there's one thing where they're talking about her. Like it's either in between or in between rounds or like right when they're about to get going. And I'm like, why do you keep talking about your mother in bed, Marlene? I mean, but let's be honest. Most of this book is during, immediately before, during, or immediately after sex. So there is that, right? If you want to build character into it, you know, if if her mom's her whole identity, (laughs) then they either have to have less sex or talk about her mom before, during, or after sex. It's a choice. Um, (laughs) Yes. I have in my notes, my mom is always watching. (laughs) Always. Always. I got to say, for me, that was maybe the one misstep of the book was like just how much this woman's mother is like present. And then especially because in present day, in the second half of present day, like after the flashback, we meet his mom and we see that her relationship with his mom is very like emotional and like real and authentic as like a mother daughter experience. And so it starts to, fe- it just feels like I'm confused by how much of this woman's mother is like present in her life. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the, the wrap up where he's like, there were hearts in the cave that and was like, she wasn't with you because she was with us. Like, it was, I mean, it was fine. It was sweet. Yeah. I was just, every time they'd get going and she'd be like, my mama says, and I was like, stop. Not yeah. at this time, Arlene. No. I mean, like I too have lost a parent and I will say I have never had that thought in <laughs> any of those moments. Thank God. <laughs> so yeah. So that's just something else that sort of uh, stood out yeah. to me. I liked Zeline. I, um, yeah, Zelina's the daughter. I like little Zeline. She's very capable. She's a little huntress. She can't quite kill things, though. I was like, that's really sweet. That's super sweet. His whole, we don't see, for all the talk about kids and babies in this world, we don't see. They have them around. They don't have them around a lot, which I kind of appreciate sometimes. Because yeah, I mean, at least they're not thinking about their kids, like, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, time, yeah. Look, there is a rule, not a rule, but there is a saying in romance that, like, if you put a kid or a pet on the page, you're really making things harder for yourself. And that is true. Like, I have written, I've written children into books and, like, it is hard because then you've got, you have to worry about, like, who's with this child, right? (laughs) I mean, I write historical, so for me, it's sort of easier because I can be like, there's, like, a governess or something, like, right? There's, like, there's a servant somewhere <laughs> taking care of the child. Um, and in this case, it's the same thing, right? Like, there, are, it's such a community of people yeah. that the kids are all conceivably together, right? Yeah. But these people bone a whole lot for there to be kids around. Oh, and I'm, well, I mean, I, I think we've learned, I think I've gotten that these kids are just like, yeah, that's what happens. I think the kids just know. Exactly. Normal and fine. Maybe not the details, the full details, but they're like, oh, they're busy and the screen is up. If you hear weird noises, don't be rude and sit there and hang, just leave them be. And I think yeah. you, ha- you have to learn that because there's no privacy in these, no. in these huts. Everybody no, and they all live business. like in a cave. Well, the 
the cave explodes, right? Or the cave it's like breaks apart during an earthquake. Yeah. So like ultimately they all get their private houses, but Yeah. So. With indoor plumbing, I was reminded of. Which makes me even more angry about ice home. Like they wouldn't let them move in. You all have indoor plumbing and you've got these people sitting out on a beach. Yeah. Going in the sand, I assume. It's just yeah. They have indoor plumbing. With and heated floors. They really upgraded after they- that move. Did I didn't know? I feel like that might. I feel like that that book where the cave breaks apart might have passed. Yeah. So it was. So let me think because it's over a couple books. Six or seven. Yeah. Past. I think it happens during Maddie's book. Do you remember her? I don't know Maddie and Lila. You might need to tell me about them. (laughs) So Lila was um, Maddie and Lila were like two women that Josie found. Like because yes. This is a long, I never realized how intricate this stuff is and how like Ruby really writes this together. But like Josie ran, runs off to escape her residence. She finds these two women. She goes back. They go rescue the women. They're two sisters, Lila and I Maddie. Remember. Yes. And one of them, Lila gets kidnapped or and taken by, away to yeah. the Metlek. No, not to the Metlek. To... Well, she, she, she gets taken away and then she escapes that and then she falls and lands in a Metlek. In a Metlek like, lair. Yes. yes. That I remember. And then she resonates with someone else. And then the dude who kidnapped her gets exiled because you shouldn't, yes, shouldn't be kidnapping ladies. I yes. remember all this. So I definitely read that one. Yes. And it was in his book. And he resonates to met the sister that they have this big earthquake. And that breaks up like the whole tribe. And while they're out wandering, I don't know. Honestly, I can't remember how they stumble upon. That's but they find they like the beach, don't they? Don't they find the beach? Well, they, they've always known the beach is there, but they stumble on like this ready-made abandoned like village. Like it's got all these huts that are already built. Um, all the grass stuff has rotted away. So like the roofs were made out of hives or grass or whatever yeah, yeah, and they've yeah. rotted away. But like the structures are there. There's like an aqueduct system that's still there that can provide yeah. plumbing. The floors are heated. And they're like, this oh, is perfect. Yes. And they just move right in. And you would think... It's interesting because you would think that these these ice planet barbarians would have found those before that before. Yeah, well, again, it's tricky. But again, it just goes back to, you know, Jen and I talk all the time on Faded Mates about the fact that like sometimes in romance, like we worry too much as writers, like that we have to put in all the reasons for everything. Mm-hmm. Like the reality is, is that Ruby, like they stumble upon this like ready-made village with indoor plumbing and heated floors. And everybody's just like, okay, I guess that's happening now. Well, again, this is how smart she is. They point this out and I didn't get it because I didn't know what was happening. But one of the characters is like, huh, look at all those little drawings on the corner. They look just like you guys, except they have four arms. She set up all the ice home tribes. So I guess the thing is they lived there and then they abandoned it. Ah, see? And I was like, holy shit, Ruby, you've got this like. I mean, she figured it out, right? We're in 2020 and she's in 3020. She's got it all. She's got it. She's got it all worked out. So yeah, so they find, I don't even know how we got on this. I would like to see Ruby Dixon's murder wall, like the. You know the 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 explanation oh, yeah. for Ice Planet Barbarians with all the like the, the, um, the yarn. You know, yarn. <laughs> exactly. Well, and someone told me that these books take place in the same universe as her Dragon series and as her Corsair series oh. because there are characters who are mentioned, like one of the characters who comes. But this was the first series, wasn't it? She was Ice I... Planet is her first series. No, I think. Yeah. I, I'm... For all this, and I'm not actually up on my everything else to mm-hmm. Ice Planet, which is really smart. 
I mean, yeah. readers are going to stick with her for a long time. She's a really fun writer. It's really fun to read. Yeah, it's great. I hope she, and I don't get the impression that she's like tired of writing them. It seems no. like she's had No, I mean, and she writes them so fast too. <laughs> I got another email yesterday that she had just published another book, but it's not in a series I know. It's like, and she dances. And I don't know what that series about. So I'm gonna have to investigate that. But so, yeah, um, I think that was, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I really need you to read Ice Home because I'm going to read. Are... So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Barbarian's Choice and Barbarian's Hope. And then I'm going to read the first Ice Home and I will report back. Yes, because they are bonkers. It's just <laughs> she's really feeling herself in Ice Home. And she's like fully exploring her powers. I and it's I a love it. I love it. I love any time a writer is like, fuck everything. I'm just doing it. That is my favorite kind of romance novel. And I say this all the time on Faded Mates, but like for me, even if those books don't work for me, like I so respect that yes. as like a baller ch- choice that yeah. I will I will always read them. I will always like admire them as far as I'm concerned. Like even if they don't like scratch my itch, I'm in. Yes, it's such a power move. Like she's just- It yeah, really I'm, is. I'm, I'm, I'm owning it. And you can see it's so interesting because, you know, you, I'm sure, have read, like me, a, you know, dozens of books where you can see when the writer pulls the punch, right? And, like, has the idea and walks right up to the line, but, like, is too nervous to cross over it. Yeah. And almost always in those books, you sort of feel like, oh, I wish there'd been just, like, one more step. Yes. I never feel that way with Ruby Nixon. <laughs> I do on one thing. We discussed this with another one. It actually comes up in this book where she's hinted at a number of times at threesome resonances. Yes. And I was like, give us our threesome movie. You've got the two older parents in this book sharing their furs with like another elder in this. Like her in-laws have a arrangement with another elder in the town. And like, so they're not opposed to it. Everyone's down. You would think the queen would be like, I don't know. I don't know. Because Tosh, there's another character who's worried about, you know, it's interesting because it's like Grace Goodwin, right? We talk all the time about how Grace Goodwin has all these threesome pairings, but the swords never cross. Maybe Ruby feels feels some kind of way about swords crossing. Possibly. We do also know that there is a hunter who is the product of like a three, a a three resonance. Like his parents all resonated to each other. Yep. Why? You would think now, especially because Menage is so popular. Yeah. Like, give us that, Ruby. So, that's Yeah, important. agreed. Co-signed. <laughs> Where's my... You need me to write a letter to someone? <laughs> Start a petition. I just want to see, like... I just want... I want to know, like, how does that fit in this? Because she's done the world building so well. I want to do, like, how does the culture work? How does the queer work? How does resonance work? Like, who gets... <laughs> does she only resonate to, like, one at a time? And it, like, not... Because you can only get impregnated by one person. There's still... Maybe you resonate. Why? Like maybe all three resonate, and then like you know, first Whoever of all, gets there she first. Could create a situation where like you can't, you can get pregnant by two people at the same time, right? Like twins, I guess. Yeah, twins or like some magic sperm mixing that happens, and suddenly, right? I mean, whatever. Same. But also, yeah. I mean, it does feel like this is this is a a world that is ripe for a menage, if not like. 
a single menage couple, a, a thruple, than a menage like spinoff series where you know, what about like the people with four arms feel like they should they should get two women? Yeah, Polly, <laughs> that's ripe for Polly. Oh, I love the four armed. They're just it's just yeah, go go Ruby. You're so creative. I love it. So I think I that's know, like four arms. There should be another body in there. <laughs> well, no, that there's room for another body. I will say it's fun to read because you get in the woman's head and they're like, all this, like, he's holding me here and he's doing this. And there's another hand here. Like, there's a lot going <laughs> on. There's <laughs> a lot of attention being paid. So. <laughs> it's like Ruby Dixon read Mel Jean Brooks like the Kraken King and was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> With blue. <laughs> so, I mean, like, they're just so fun. And, like, every time I talk about them with people, I end up laughing because they're I mean, great. Really, you know we've been talking so much on our podcast about joy and about like how we have to remember that, like, especially now, like romance is about joy. Like the books are designed to be fun. It's about play. And like, that is the thing that like you can always find in Ruby Dixon. Yes. Gets you through. I think that is, I think I've talked about everything in the book and in the series and in the next series. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. I really had a great time. Oh, I love and, it. Uh, you know, if you if you keep going, you let me know. I will come I... back to Ice Planet Home. Um, so Sarah, in case someone has landed here from the Ice Planet and they don't know who you are, who are you? <laughs> what do you do? And where can they find you? <laughs> I am Sarah McLean and I write romance novels and I read romance novels and I talk about them on a podcast every one Wednesday. Um you, I write historical romance novels. Uh, you can find them at sarahmcclain.net. Um, I am on Twitter, usually ranting about politics, at Sarah McLean. I'm on Instagram, posting pictures of food that I'm cooking in quarantine, um, and also books that I like a lot, uh, and that is at Sarah McLean on Instagram. Um, but my podcast is Faded Mates. I have a podcast co-host, Jen Prokop, who is Jen Reads Romance, who has also done an episode of Ice Planet Pod. Um, And our podcast releases every Wednesday and is sometimes a read-along and sometimes a conversation about tropes that we love. Uh, We do a ton of book recs. Um, Our goal is to topple your your TBR pile. Um, (laughs) And uh, Danny is actually on our podcast uh, this month because we're doing an entire month of just like people coming on to talk about joy. Oh, yay. I didn't know that's why. I didn't know the full frame of why I was on there. I love that it's just just joy. We did comfort reading. We were like coming too close. We were coming up on the election and I didn't want to do deep dive reads. Like I just wanted, we just decided like it should be fun. It should be joyful. We can be the thing that people find on Wednesdays that is fun and joyful. Yes, so. I love it. So. so so Danny came on to talk about comfort reads with us and what makes a good comfort read. We did a little Ice Planet pod, too. Yes. Um, and, yeah. So Oh, I can't wait to see what the other speakers talk about. I'm really Yeah, excited. we've had Nisha Sharma on to talk about mafia romances because she really loves those. So we had – that was a fun episode. Um, we uh, are talking to – we have done um, – we talked to Christina Lauren about fanfic. And oh, romance. that would be fun. And um, how how fanfic has influenced romance and vice versa. So it's just really fun. 
Um, oh, I've got to hear that one. When I when I stopped reading all books in college because I just did not have the time, yeah. I did still do a lot of fanfic reading. And so... Well, Christina and Lauren came up through Twilight fanfic and they tell the story of like how they came to be through through Twilight fanfic and they met each other on the fic boards and that's how they became friends and then co-writers. Like, oh. so it's a really, it's actually, the episode's out and it's a okay. really joyful episode. So yeah. I need to catch up. So that's what I need to do is go and check my podcast catcher. So thank you again. I am so glad you were able to come on the show and I'm so, I was so I'm going to do that again because I just knocked my mic. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad you were able to do this. I was so happy you were willing to do this. And I'm so honored you're here. Yay. Um, thanks so much for having me. And uh, thanks so much for giving me an opportunity to talk about these bonkers books that I love so much. So, Yay. Thanks.